Welcome to the Dr. Mike Bill podcast. I could not be more excited to have David Meltzer virtually in the flesh. Um, I'm a huge fan of David's. I uh, read his book, Connected to Goodness, a while back, and I, you know, it had quite a profound impact on me. And I actually reached out to David after I read the book, and David was gracious enough to uh, have like a little Instagram exchange with me, which, uh, which was very, very cool. And now fast forward to like a year later, um, I get to actually speak with you and pick your brain, man, which is something I've been dying to do. For those folks who aren't familiar with David, he's literally a polymath. He uh, is a multi-time uh, international best-selling author. He speaks internationally. He's an amazing entrepreneur who has an amazing story. And I think for any entrepreneurs out there, even for doctor entrepreneurs like myself, it's a story that's really inspiring because it's a story of making it to the top and then falling and then making it back up to the top. It's a real story of resilience and speaks to your character. Um, you're the CEO of, of uh, uh, Sports One Marketing, I believe is the name of the company, which you, which you co-founded with Warren Moon, who's the you know, NFL, uh, former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. And yeah, I mean, your resume, I could just go on and on speaking about all the amazing things that you do. And I'm just blessed to have you here in front of me, man. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to learn more about you and hopefully inspire others to achieve their potential. Yeah, man, that, that, that's what it's all about, and that's what the podcast is all about. Um, I know you're a really busy guy, and you have a limited schedule, so I, one of the things that, you know, personally that I, that I really, is sort of like a mantra that I've picked up from, you know, from your book, Connected to Goodness, is the arriver stage. Like, I just love that term, and I think it's something that so many folks kind of hit that plateau of the arrival stage where you sort of have achieved what your go in your mind was your goal or what your definition of success is, whether it's career, financial, whatever it may be. And it's impossible to have a steady state in the arrival stage. You know, it's like you can't really live on that plateau. So there's only two ways to go, either up or down. And, you know, maybe you could speak to us. I mean, you know, it's really just I'm so curious about your time in the arrival stage and how it impacted you and, you know, sort of how it made your philosophy sort of evolve, you know? Yeah, the arriver state is about self-entitlement or entitlement being born into entitlement. I obviously wasn't born into entitlement. I was born, and my dad left when I was five, six kids and a single mom. So, you know, I used to feel less than because there was kids who were born into that. Now that I'm older, I always say they were born on third base and thought they hit a home run. And when I speak around the world, I'll ask who here grew up poor and half the kids, you know, people will raise their hand. I'm like, oh, I feel sorry for the rest of you. And I feel sorry for my own kids because I can't teach them uh, what, what it was like uh, and to have uh, the journey that I've had. But the arrival state is interesting because I just am dealing with that a lot of my executive clients right now. These are, you know, one is a world famous uh, novelist, world famous. Everybody would know her name. And she is in the arriver state. She, and what has created that catalyst to give her the awareness that she's in the arriver state is this circumstance of compressed uncertainty. We have a pause, we're allowed to restart, rethink uh, about our values, uh, our personal experience on giving and receiving values, as you know from the book. For me, I lost those values, right? I was born into gratitude. I couldn't come downstairs if I didn't show gratitude. 
even though we didn't have very much, sometimes barely enough food. You know, I always say the highlight for me when I was a kid going out uh, is, and my kids don't believe me, but my mom would get a big bowl, six kids. She would buy two large French fries at McDonald's and we'd split them. That was yeah. like me going, you know, my, my family goes to like Ruth Chris and they don't even think about it. That wasn't even in the league of expectations when I was a little boy. That was the highlight. And, and what happened was I lost my gratitude. Uh, I, forgiveness was something that was instilled in me to forgive myself that I was born to make mistakes and to learn lessons. My mom had always said, life's about lessons. Life's about lessons. Don't worry, son. You're here to learn. That's why education is so important. I'm sure looking at you, your parents were the same as me, doctor, lawyer, failure. You know, it was all about what we could learn. The fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. That's why I'm always impressed with people that are entrepreneurial doctors uh, because you've broken free like this woman that I'm coaching. And, you know, she's had a name that wasn't hers. She had a voice that was restricted to speak what it wanted to speak because it wouldn't sell or she would offend someone. And now she wants to be free. And I, you know, hit that arrival state. I didn't take accountability for, for myself. I was in blame, shame, and justification. And I was a motivated person, but I wasn't inspired anymore. Uh, motivation is fear-based. It's a, a focus mechanism. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, people are motivated in life but they're not inspired uh, and they're arrivers. If, you're, if all you are is motivated, uh, you, you literally run the risk at the very least of being an arriver because you're very focused, but that state doesn't last long. Motivation, if you're a sports fan, it doesn't even last the whole game, right? That's why we see the ball move back and forth and you, oh my goodness, Atlanta's going to kill New England in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, the second half is coming. Look who the inspired team is, the one that's won right. six Super Bowls. Um, and so understanding that each step of the way I'm learning lessons and a lot of people will go through either micro or macro arrivals. I went through a huge one um, because I lost all four of my values. My wife was going to leave me and told me to take stock in who I was um, and who I wanted to be. And thank goodness, uh, you know, and, and I almost didn't. I'll tell you, man, I sat in my room the next day thinking, how am I going to get divorced, lawyer? My life was about money. I was offended. The ego was out of control, resentful, offended. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to take all the money and all the kids. I'm leaving her. And then I looked in my closet to a jacket that my dad had gotten me when I was 30. Uh, and he pissed me off at 30 when he gave it to me because he said it was to remind me that I couldn't take anything with me when I was gone. He had torn out all the pockets. He told me I was just like him. I told him he's a liar, a cheater, a motor, an overseller, back end seller. I didn't talk to him. And meanwhile, thank God that jacket was hanging in my closet because when I looked over to make this transformation to realize I was a arriver, I saw that jacket and realized I was just like my dad. I was just like my dad. I was a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, back end seller. I had arrived. I had everything I ever dreamed of. I had arrived. But I had to get back to inspiration, to thriving, to inspiring others, to inspire others to be happy, to living the lessons and making the mistakes and doing all the things that thrivers do. And, uh, you know, I shifted that paradigm in my life and I've dedicated my entire life to inspiring others just to be happy. You're a doctor. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that happiness is the strongest virus ever created. Only virus I know that can be spread by literally witnessing it and it's guaranteed to strengthen your immune system uh and so i went on a mission to create a collective consciousness to inspire over a billion people by finding a thousand people like you doc 
who will inspire another thousand to inspire another thousand. I'm not that great at math, but a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million <laughs> times a thousand, a billion, and create a billion people on earth that are happy and healthy through happiness. We'll change this world into an abundant world. There will be no arrivers. There will be thrivers, people elevating others to elevate themselves. Man, there's, I love all of that. And there's, there's so much, I think part of the reason why your book resonated with me so much and why you're drawn to your personality is I had a pretty similar upbringing. You know, I, had a, my, I grew up in a single parent household. The fact that my mom was a doctor was, was what enabled her to escape a dreadful marriage. You know, she had an abusive husband. I've never met my dad in my life. They got divorced when I was like maybe a year old or something like that. Um, and like for me, the same thing, like, you know, when we going out to eat, like Pizza Hut was like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, eating up Peter Luger's, you know. Um, it was very, very humble up in I'd go to someone's house if they had Hagen Dazs ice cream at their house. I was like, holy crap, they're rich. Like, these people are loaded. They had Hagen Dazs. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that kind of, when I was reading your book, a lot of what was in the book resonated with me, you know, particularly because I achieved a level of success, like, which was far beyond what I defined success as, as a kid. And, you know, this is, you know, career wise, financially and all those sorts of things. But when I had arrived, that was kind of like, it was a short lived time. It was like the summer of 2017. Um, and I was like playing golf like six times a week. I had a bunch of people working for me. I had an office on fifth Avenue in Manhattan, an office in Long Island. Um, you know, I quote unquote, I was like, Oh wow, I was 42 years old. And I was like, Holy crap. I arrived. Like, you know, I made it. And I realized how empty it was pretty quickly, actually, fortunately. And I started reading again and, you know, trying to like find out what's my purpose in life. And similar, you know, what you mentioned is like really spreading positivity. The message that if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, self-empowerment, all of these qualities that I guess I kind of lost sight of, you know, not, not, I never got to a really dark place, but I saw myself a little bit lost in that time, you know, and really all of this is really for the same purpose as, you know, just to spread a positive message, positive energy, put positive energy into the world, similar like, you know, your Instagram and all that sort of stuff, just using the sort of Gary V model to really push positivity out there, you know? Yeah. And I went, you know, to Gary V three Super Bowls ago when he needed help with his sports agency to ask him for help on how to do this. And, just shows you what a gracious person I know he is overloaded and uh, you know millions and millions and millions of people after him and to take the time still take the time to help me um, as a friend and a mentor and I'm just glad I'm able to give him something back there's an interesting thing doc that you talk about because I remember you know these three worlds and you've lived all three which is the parallel that I want people to know one we both lived in a world when we were little of not enough right? That's that whole explanation between the Pizza Hut and Peter Luger's. Uh, you, I knew exactly where you lived that once you said Peter Luger's. So I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's the world of not enough. And here's the interesting thing is that some part of us never change. Uh, there's always a not enough person inside of me. Uh, it's a scarce person. Uh, it's the one that is always a victim. It's a, a why me person that I revert to at times, even, you know, here in times of compressed uncertainty, it's, God, you know, there's not enough. Am I going to be able to make sure I keep all the things I have and my kids got to go to college and get married and right. Oh, and then I tell myself, that's not the world Dave Meltzer lives in. That's 
that world doesn't exist anymore. Not one, not one bowl of French fries, bro. That's not where I live. I, I and then I, I look back where you were as an arriver, and it's weird because you explain to people what it is. It's a world of just enough, and you're so filled, man. You have everything and more you've ever dreamed of, but it's just for you. Six days of golf, you know, whatever else. And, and you know, you're lucky probably didn't go as far on the dark side as I did. And I'm lucky I didn't go as far on the dark side as the people I was hanging out with. But I was a rival. I was in a world of for me. And I remember my big old home in Rancho Santa Fe lying in bed going, oh, my God, what do I do now? So empty. But yet I called it filled but empty. I was filled because I had a bunch of stuff, different stuff, more stuff, all for me. And I, you know, I was generous, but it was all for me when I was generous. And I hope people understand what that means. It means everything that I gave came with either guilt or an expectation or a trade. Guilt, expectation, or trade. It came with one of the three when I gave. I, it was everything was for me. But then when I went to, you know, a diver and then came back a reviver, which is a thriver as well, a reviver, I live in this world of more than enough. And it changed my 13 years I've been here and I'm in the practice of living in it. There's more than enough of everything for everyone, regardless of what happens extraneous. I give meaning to everything I see. And here's the analogy that I've come up with. There's a great big sun over here. It's a source of energy. It's a source of light. It's a source of love and a source of lessons. I am not only have solar panels, but I am a big solar battery. But the difference of the solar battery I am, I appreciate energy. I actually can add value and more energy to the energy I receive, and I can give it away to everything I'm connected to, anything I'm connected to. So the only thing I should be concerned about is how many clouds are between me and the sun, right? And what interference or corrosion are between me and other people. And there's no interference over here. A tree has no branch. A branch would not go against another branch. You'd be foolish. Therefore, I live in unity with the greatest source of power, light, love, and lessons. And so if I don't see the love, the light, the lessons, and you might be challenged, you might be a lot of people out there right now that see a lot of clouds. I don't. I'm in the middle of a miracle. I'm in a miracle miracle. I live in a world of more than enough. I'm looking for the light, the love, and the lessons, and whether they be to spend more time with my family or to create opportunities for those people that never had them or to shift the waste and self-introspectively look at all the ego-based decisions I've made in the last 13 years that I thought once again that I was enlightened and I knew more than others or separation, inferiority, and superiority. I am taking inventory of my values. I'm living with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, inspiration. I'm asking and attracting. I'm a student of my calendar. I do it now and I practice ending fear every day. And I am in the flow, both in the currency of money an object of energy I put into the flow, as well as the currency of faith, the object of what I think, say, do, believe, and as you would know as a doctor, my DNA, my personal frequency, right? That literally energy that exists in my unconscious competency that is affected in, in practice by the epigenetic layer that I can affect and activate my own quantum memory, my DNA, that at least doctors believe to be great-grandparents, grandparents, to parents, to me, I believe it's billions of lifetimes I've been programmed with, and I got to reprogram myself to make sure I'm efficient and effective and statistically successful in all this energy that I can elevate others with. I try. I mean, there's a lot of like uh, everything you're saying is obviously someone who's very introspective and very evolved, and just you know, going from that dark 
time of the arrival stage? Like, how did like is there, is there like therapy or like you know there's a lot of like little there's some Buddhist principles I'm hearing and some Hindu principles and yeah. you know what like when did this like happen? Like, what was like did you go to therapy or like how how did you <laughs> figure how did you figure it out and how did you like have sort of crystallize these like you know the mantra like you have a bunch of mantras like even like yeah. when you are you know there's like a bunch of like you know alliterative phases that you use or like you know a lot of like you know your your mission you know um make a lot of money help a lot of people have a lot of fun like all of those sorts of things you have a lot of like phrases like that which i know that you come up with as time goes on but obviously there must have been something that sort of crystallized these that this inherent like belief system that you have after being in that dark period yeah a journey of awareness that happened uh, as the universe always gives us what we need. For me, I was on an airplane and I was next to a medical doctor from India, this wonderful woman named Sangeeta Sahi, Dr. Sangeeta Sahi. And I was still in my arrogant stage. You know, remember, I, I was going through my quantum shift two years before I lost everything. I was actually, people say, oh, you bottomed out. That's why you changed. No, no. I was in this dark period two years before. I was prepared to lose everything. You know, I needed to learn those lessons. And 2008 came was not my dark point. It wasn't my low point two years before, but I was on an airplane after I decided to live by these values, take stock in who I was. The doctor said to me, are you okay? And I looked at her still with arrogance and I said, well, do you know who I am? She said, no. I said, well, if you did, you know I was okay. She goes, what does that mean? I said, I go, I'm the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about my firm. I have more money than I've ever dreamed of a beautiful wife, beautiful. I have everything I ever dreamed of. She said, oh, she said, why well, you have so much light. You're blocking it. I looked at her like she was crazy. I was like, okay. She goes, do you meditate? And I literally went on a soliloquy. You know me, man. I'm like, meditate? I don't got time to meditate. Only people that meditate are high, drunk, on their mom's couch, dreaming about they want. I grew up with nothing. I've made everything happen. I have everything I need. Why would I meditate? I don't have time for that. She said, oh, because I could teach you to vibrate faster. No interest. I'm like, what are you talking about vibrate faster? She said, David, everything vibrates. The earth vibrates, plants, animals, human, sound and light, and then thought. And then she said, do you know what thought vibrates the fastest? I said, no. She said the truth. And here's, they literally stood up with electricity on their arms. She said, the truth vibrates the fastest. I can teach you through meditation to raise your vibration because you only can be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you to vibrate closer and closer to the truth, to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, whatever that may be. Are you interested in learning how to see the truth? And I looked at her and I'm like, no, I go, I, I don't get it. It's not worth my time. She then sat there for a minute and looked at me. She goes, what if I could teach you to be aware of when to buy and when to sell? And I said, what? So yeah, let me do awareness, enlightenment. I could teach you when to buy or sell. It vib it's a vibration. Does that interest you? I was like, yeah, that interests me. And so she said, then come to my workshop. I'll guarantee I'll teach you how to, when to buy and when to sell you'll make millions of dollars off of what I teach you. And that's how she got me motivated to raise my awareness. Once I started the practice of quantum healing, theta meditation, onto a journey of exploring all the great historical religious texts, philosophical texts, 
the Wayne Dyers of the world, the Eckhart Tolle's of the world, the Deepak Chopra's of the world, and started manifesting into a point where they were not only people I read, but I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council with Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield, John Asseroff, Sharon Lecter, and the, you know, the list goes on and on. I was attracting through a different level of understanding and awareness what I wanted in my life. But the thing that holds people like you and me differently on this journey is that we, unlike a lot of people that are born into uh, money or a lot of people that are born into this enlightenment, they don't have what we have. I have this great blend of being able to, like you said, take all of this powerful awareness and put it into a simple statement like make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. There's some serious unpacking that goes into those three statements. There's a lot of study of reading, writing, uh, meditation, you know, listening to podcasts, uh, asking questions and help of some great thought leaders. Dr. and Master Shaw was one of my mentors. I trace calligraphies. I take karmic downloads. It took me years to figure out uh, the learned side of tracing calligraphies. But I do it, and I, I know it raises my awareness every single day. So uh, reading The Course of Miracles, five years. Every day I read The Course of Miracles for five years. I've been reading Think and Grow Rich, a, a passage from Think and Grow Rich for the last three years. Uh, you know, There's all these things that I do to elevate my vibration, my frequency, and then the practice of being able to keep it plateauing and growing. You know, One of the big um, things that I've transitioned this year is that you know, how do I keep it? It was like the myth of Sisyphus, right? You roll the boulder up and then I woke up in the morning and it was back down. How do I keep the boulder on top or even raise it? So learning how that works and understanding sleep. I took on a sleep mentor, a sleep doctor to realize it wasn't just rejuvenating my body, but I could actually enhance the connection subconsciously and unconsciously to that powerful light while I'm sleeping instead of being exhausted and letting my mind get in my way, I let my mind get out of my way when I sleep. And as you know, more than even happiness, sleep is also one of yeah. these great things that people, it's the number one habit everyone shares and we spend the most time doing it and nobody even studies it. Like they should, yeah. they should have a class in school, like who cares about you know, geometry when you got sleep that you could be studying? Yeah. <laughs> and meditation. Yeah, true, man. So, so just, just kind of dive into that a little bit more so you went so you went to this meditation class after meeting this woman on the plane was it like instant like then you just started saying hey wow this is something here and i'm going to really dive into this a little deeper or were you skeptical like and this is a, i mean that this is really important stuff yeah you know? a super I, I think, super super skeptical i'll tell you even like i did body scans because it was quantum healing and meditation right and so the first time i would like poo poo and bullshit everything like i was the smart ass in the class and just so you know, I was the same way when they were teaching me sales when I was right out of law school because I was so mm -hmm. arrogant. But I would make fun of things. Well, I do this body scan on this lady and I said, oh, I see uh, orange and red in your stomach and then your big right toe, it's purple. You know, you're not supposed to interpret or analyze. You just tell what you see, their colors or frequency right. or energy. And, you know, I open my eyes, I do it. And then the lady explains to me, oh, you know, I have terrible stomach problems. I'm taking this medication. I can't believe you saw that. And I'm like rolling my eyes, like, come on, this is one of these scams. This lady just took my money, right? And then she took off her shoe. And I, that's when I was shocked I, because I was so scared. I, 
I was skeptical, but here's a funny thing because I learned to get in touch with my gut. It, it's the, in China, they call it the main me. Uh, there was something pulling me towards this woman the whole flight. There was something that kept telling me inside, you got to go. Like my, my mind, my mind and my body was like, I got too much stuff to do. And it took me years. My favorite story real quick, because I, I love the pragmatic side of what you're asking. I came back from a money workshop one time. It was an energy of money workshop. And they cleared all this stuff in me about my energy and money, my relationship to money. And within a month, I doubled the amount of money that I made. So I told my business partner, I was like, oh, dude, you should do this, man. You, you can make more money. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's get the whole company to do it. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's 100 people. It'll cost us, you know, four days. Right. It'll cost us this much time. This much. What? And he looked at me and goes, wait a second. You just told me you doubled the amount of money you made in a month. You told me to go do it. But when it's the whole company, you don't believe enough. What if everyone in our company doubled the money? Who cares about a week of work and what it costs? What if every month everyone doubles? And so, like, this is the way the brain gets in the way of what we're yeah. doing. You know, <laughs> I do that. No, no. The, the, the ego tells us, no, 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 no. No, no. Don't have any faith. I know everything feels right, seems right. Don't have any faith. This, this can't it work for you, but it can't work for anyone else or whatever else. And I have to this day, and I know we're kind of closing out, but this is a really important lesson. I have been able to blend the currency of money with the currency of faith. And the way that I do it is that I ask myself, I make a decision on, you know, the pragmatic formats that we've all learned math and money and time. And then I say to myself, would I make the same decision if there's no time involved? If I knew without a doubt that I'm living a billion lifetimes, would this, would this be my decision? And if it is, then I know it's full of faith. Uh, now, here's the scary part. You know how much I do with content. You know how much I teach people, executive coach, the books, the podcasts, the TV shows, everything I do. There's still days that I make a decision and then I do a faithful analysis and I say, oh, Everything always turns out better when I do faithful decisions and I still do a pragmatic money decision or a saw. I'm too afraid still today, everything I believe, I'm still too afraid to always make my decisions on faith. Sometimes I make it straight out on, okay, refinance, you know, all right, buy that stock. And I, and I kick myself because I know if I just would be patient and not, you know, want instant gratification from my decision, instant credit, credit, you know, accreditation, instant approval, that I'd be way better off in the long run. But still today, I want everyone to know that, that I'm a hypocrite. I'm on my own journey. I, I literally just try to get back to this quick, as quick as I can, instead of years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes. I want moments. I want moments of ego, not years. I love that. And I think that's such a val valuable point. You know, all of us, you know, everyone makes mistakes, everyone sort of falls back into their comfort routine, you know, easy decision making, you know, all, we all do that, you know, we all do that. And it may be contradictory, contradict what we're kind of putting out into the universe. But you're right, the, the goal is to, in the majority of the time, or to increase the amount, the percentage of time that you're doing the things you're talking about, and you're projecting into the world, but everyone's gonna lapse, it's okay. It's okay to make a mistake or to, you know, to, you know, just take a step backwards because you know what, if you, if you recognize that you're doing that 
and yet, you know, you stumble a little bit or make, not make a faith-based decision or whatever the case may be, whatever it is in everyone's own world, it's okay, you know, as long as you're aware of it and then are accountable enough to make a correction so that maybe the next time you're tempted, you'll say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to fall for that again. You know, like, I'm not going to fall for that temptation again. You know, that's accountability. So it's interesting because, you know, and I know I got, I'm, I'm like, you got a lot, not a lot of time, but there's so much I want to talk to you about because every time you say something, it makes me think of something. One of the things that you mentioned, and, you know, it's a lot of the things that you're saying are really steeped in having core values, like whatever your values are. And, you know, every book that I read, and, you know, I, I used to read a lot when I was in college, and I didn't read at all while I was in medical school and a doctor, and then I had three kids, and I stopped reading. And now I started, like, reading like crazy again in the last few years. And every book that I read, there's, like, one thing that I always remember from it. Like, for instance, your book, The Arrival Stage, is something that I always, that's been a, become kind of, like, part of me now. It's something that really vibrates with me. Um, the book that I read called Traction, I'm sure you probably read it at some point, core values, like defining core values, both professionally and personally is like a very important thing to do. So, you know, I really sat down and like wrote down my core values, care, for, care, compassion, integrity, accountability, attention to detail. Those are my core values and everything that I do kind of falls into one of those categories. Or if I make a mistake, I could use accountability to say, hey, which, what did I, how did I screw this up and how can I correct it? A lot of what I'm getting from you is that you have a very defined set of core values that guide your sort of guiding posts of your life, your decision making, the way you interact with family, the way you and I are interacting, just the way you sort of, it's, it's the way you interact with the world is predicated on the core values that you established, maybe it was 10 years ago, 13 years ago, whenever that was. And, you know, yeah, of course those evolve and, you know, you refine them, but ultimately those are your foundational principles that guide your life. You know, can you just like maybe speak a minute or two about, about that? Yeah, just to close out four values. And then I take inventory of how my daily values are associated back to the four core values. So number one, gratitude. Gratitude is the most powerful value of all. It will make, it, it allows me to have that lens to look at everything for the light, the lessons and the love in it. It allows me to learn to love anything. I can learn to love anything, even those, I mean, obviously those who have read history and all the biblical texts will tell you that true enlightenment is being able to love your enemy, right? To, to find the light, the love in, in your enemy. And that's just not a person. That's the ego. That's the attacking thoughts. That's yourself. Uh, so gratitude's extremely important in my core values. Then forgiveness. Forgiveness allows me to make a ton of mistakes. And it, only one person I forgive is myself, because once I forgive myself, I can give forgiveness to others and it allows me to have peace. I never forgive anyone because they deserve it. I forgive them because I deserve it. And I'm not a, you know, I, I am a hypocrite and I acknowledge that I'm a hypocrite, but I have forgiveness for that. Uh, and it's very powerful. So, you know, I get peace from forgiveness. Then to get control in your life, certainty in your life, these are shared values of you and I, Accountability gives you certainty and control in your life. When you realize that you attract every single thing in your life and you need to ask yourself, why and how did I attract this? And what's the lesson I'm supposed to learn? Accountability, and then people get confused between accountability and liability. You know, I get this twinge because I'm a lawyer. It's okay to hold people liable. We, we live in this pragmatic world again. Here's that blend, but you know, it's okay to collect insurance money and collect damages and to hold people liable, 
but take the bigger question and say, what did I do to deserve getting hit from behind? What am I supposed to, what did I do to attract cancer into my life? What am I supposed to learn from this? What did I, and you know, as a doctor, there's so many medical ailments that are lessons, you know, and, and there's great lessons when you're accountability for your own health. Uh, and then finally, most importantly, which is a, a weird value, but I see inspiration as a value. Uh, it's a value of that three-step process from sun to appreciating solar panel to everything else. And that's a value that everything comes through me. That's inspiration for others. So when I look at those four values every day, though, to apply them or align, align them with this world, because those are truths. Gratitude, accountability, forgiveness, and inspiration are four truths. Those are values. Well, it has to transcend into this pragmatic world. So in order to do that, I take inventory of my personal values of this day, my experiential values, what do I want to do and experience, my giving values, and my receiving values, and I never try to balance them during the day. I want them balanced in my life over 111 or more years, but today, 90% of my time may be spent on experiential values or 90% on my personal or 90%. It doesn't matter. And I have to be able to be a hypocrite saying my values are different today than they were yet. Because that just means that I am gracious, forgiving, and accountable and inspired. If my values, you know, it drives me crazy. People, they hold to their 17-year-old values. And, and they're arguing with people just because they don't want to be a hypocrite. They don't want, look, I'm telling you right now, don't judge me for my 22 year old self because my values are not the same as they were. And neither were the values of society, neither were the values of my, of my friends. And I will tell you, I did stuff when I was 22 that today would be seen at, you know, as completely wrong things to do. Wrong thing to say, they would be prejudiced or separative or superior, you know, all these dumb things that a white middle-aged kid in college would say or do because it, it was normal. And you know what? I'm not afraid to tell you my values have changed. And I'm trying to teach other people what I've learned from the dummy tax that I've paid that I wasn't as enlightened as I am today. I am in the enjoyment of the of the pursuit of my potential. I wasn't at my potential at 22, so how would my values be the same? This is very, very important because we create so much separation. We create so much anxiety, so much attacking thoughts and judgments and conditions today because people are afraid to say, you know what, I was wrong. This is what I used yeah. to think. I was just wrong. You know, I, I, I read this book and I realized, whoa, this is a much better way to do this or say this or think this. You know, we're, we're not driving horses and, and buggies anymore. <laughs> No, it's, it's, I mean, I think that's so valuable. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the whole point of this journey, right, is to evolve and to become better, be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today. I mean, that's, that's fundamentally, you know, what all of this sort of thing is about to me, you know. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right, man. Dude, David, thanks so much. I mean, really, what an honor. I, I really am so blessed that you, were, that you did this, and I, I'm so grateful. I really appreciate your time, man. So I, do, I do Friday trainings for free, 11 a.m. Pacific time. If you're ever available, please join me, everyone. I would love it. We're doing Habit Machine tomorrow, teaching people not just to build habits, but to have a machine that they just put it through. And uh, whatever you want to oh, do, get it. it out the other side. So 
be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Find me at David Meltzer. I appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. David, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mungill Podcast. The corresponding video can be found on YouTube, IGTV, and Facebook. Let's get it.